I didn't forget a lot of shit. It was supposed to be a mini topic, so I didn't put every single fucking detail on the internet in there. Hello and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And we're unsupervised. unsupervised. I closed out of my notes. Oh, yay. That's fun. That's fine. I've got it. It's good. Okay. Google.com <laughs> <laughs> forward slash medical oddity. Oh, yeah. Today's topic, the bonus Jonas, is yeah. medical oddities. Wow. What a fun little segue. Uh, no, it's like you knew it or something. Why? Do I still have my headphones on? We didn't just spend an hour trying to fix the audio. No. Why do you ask? <laughs> okay. Who wants to go first? You go first. Okay. Because I think mine's going to like blow your mind. Wow. If my mind is blown, I can't <laughs> read my notes. Exactly. So I am going to teach you about Mary J. Fancher. <laughs> or Molly, as she goes by. Mary J. was born August 16th, 1848 in Attleboro, Massachusetts. She's a Leo. Leos are the best of people. They're fine. I, hate I guess. She was the oldest of five children born to Elizabeth and James Fancher. Unfortunately, Molly's mother passed away when she was seven in a horseback riding accident. Wait. What's her name? Molly Fancher? No. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Do you know this story? I think we covered the same thing. Are you serious? Um, would you say Molly um is particular about what she eats? Stop it. <laughs> Are you covering her too? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I don't pay attention to names, but when you said her mom died in a horse accident, I was like, oh, oh shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck it. Let's do it live. Um, okay. Um, uh, hmm. Okay. So this is going to be a special <laughs> bonus where we don't each cover a topic, but we cover a topic. <laughs> what the fuck? How many episodes are we in now? We're only on number six for unsupervised. <laughs> okay. Well, then that's not good. <laughs> we only made it six episodes before. Send your topic suggestions, too. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. But are you only covering Molly? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. We're good. We're good. We're good, honey. Okay. There, there are, you are covering smaller- the girls? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, now that everybody's thoroughly confused, tell us about Molly. How are we going to divide this up? You know what? You talk, and I will interject if you're missing something. Okay. And then if you cover it all, kudos to you. I'll just tell you about the other girls. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Talk. <laughs> it's fine. Everything is fine. It's not fine. You, But you do more in depth <clears throat> than I do, so I'm sure it'll be good. Yeah, she's pulling out her four sheets of paper. That's fine. I thought that I missed it. I thought I was missing a page. <laughs> Don't worry. I got you covered, boo. <laughs> Damn it. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, act surprised. Okay. I'm ready. Mm. Yeah, I know. Attleboro, Massachusetts. Mm. 
Massachusetts. Oh, wait, never mind. I was like, she wasn't in Massachusetts. She was born there. She was. People That's move important. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so as we uh, had our epiphany moment, she lost her mother when she was seven in a horseback riding accident. Molly's father remarried, and when he did, he abandoned the three surviving children from his first marriage. Because he's a dick. Because he's a dick. Yeah. He abandons the children because he found himself some new hoe. Oh. <laughs> God, I love you so much. Thank you. Molly moved in with her aunt, Susan Crosby, where she thrived at home and at school at the Brooklyn Seminary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was like head of the class. Yeah. Uh tall, gorgeous, beautiful blonde, good at everything. You know those girls in high school. This is weird. That are like I know. <laughs> that are like everybody knows them. They're just perfect oh, yeah. in every way. And that's they're smart without having to try. And everybody it, wants to be their friend. And they're nice to everybody. Uh, not me. <laughs> I don't know. There were a couple girls like that at my school, and I couldn't t- tell if like I wanted to be their friends or I wanted to do them. So, yeah, I didn't have that in, in high school. I didn't like many people. I could tell you names off air. Okay, <laughs> friends with a few of them on Facebook still. Nice. Hey. So at fifteen, Molly began suffering from dys dyspepsia. Yeah. That was totally in my notes, too. Which is indigestion. Yes, okay. <laughs> I had IBS. <laughs> yeah, she basically started suffering from severe stomach issues. She wasn't able to keep down majority of her food, and she suffered from exhaustion and fainting spells. Mm-hmm. So, me on my period. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. I totally forgot the windows were open. <laughs> hey, neighbors. She complained of frequent headaches, chest pains, and had coughing fits. Due to her illness, she had to leave school for a few months, or excuse me, had to leave school a few months shy of graduating top of her class. Yep. After consulting doctors about her chronic condition, Molly was prescribed horseback horseback riding lessons. Which is great when your mom died of that. Yeah, no worries. It's fine. Doctors believe that the shaking that came with horseback riding would improve circulation and stimulate the digestive tract. Uh-huh. Actually, you know what they should have done? They should have put her in a public swimming pool because every time I get in one, I have to poop. I think she needed the opposite. Oh, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Don't go in a public swimming pool. Or in the Barnes and Noble. <laughs> oh, my God. Every time. Every time. It's just like you get around all the books and your body's just like, ah, I'm home. And you're like, no, you're not, bitch. <laughs> Penguin waddled in the bathroom. <laughs> um, in May 1864, Molly was out for a ride when her horse was spooked and she was thrown, resulting in two broken ribs. She had dropped her reins and whenever she tried to pick them back up, like the movement, the off kilter, her not doing what she was supposed to do, spooked the horse. Come on, horse equestrian. Yeah. Tell me the details. <laughs> and she was told she needed to take six weeks of at-home rest to heal. After the accident, so even after the six weeks, she often complained of a pain in her side. She had developed a hemorrhage in her right lung. Yep. Her doctors were baffled how she could have developed a hemorrhage so late in the healing process. This is something that normally shows up basically immediately. Right away. 
Her headaches also came back with a vengeance. Often they were so bad they would affect her vision. (laughs) Me before I got glasses. Over time, Molly was able to heal and with the help of her aunt, learn to live with her symptoms. In 1865, 17-year-old Molly welcomed a new suitor, John Taylor. Mm. After a few months of courting, he proposed and Molly accepted. Ah. In June 1865, just days before they were to be wed, Molly's luck took a turn for the worse. Oh, because she's had such good luck leading up to this. My mom's dead. My siblings, two of the four, are dead. My dad abandoned me. Had this horseback riding accident. But I was real popular. I'm hemorrhaging. But I'm real popular and pretty. Truth. See, I don't even want to like make fun of that because she seems so nice during this part. <laughs> or maybe I'm just like putting the people in my head like maybe. onto um, her. But yeah, so when she was exiting a trolley, the drive... What? You're not talking about what she was doing. She was out shopping, spending that money, honey. Because all of her stuff goes everywhere. All right, keep going. Oh, apparently we focus on different details. <laughs> okay, so she was out shopping and spending that money, honey. <laughs> <laughs> was riding around in a trolley uh-huh. while she was going on her uh, spending that money, honey excursion. She was getting ready for a wedding. Just days before the wedding. Keep going. That's assumed. We shouldn't cover the same topic. No. Because you don't focus on the right stuff. Obviously. While she was exiting a trolley, the driver signaled the horse to continue. She stumbled, catching her skirt on a hook that was protruding from the trolley. Her contents went spewing everywhere. Spewing. Her contents? Mm. Is she a trunk? She, I mean, who knows? Maybe she, she does have that gentle stomach. Maybe she threw up a little bit. <laughs> no, everything she was carrying, all of her shopping stuff went everywhere. Well, yeah, I think that's kind of expected when she got drug over the pavement stones for nearly a block, losing consciousness before they were finally get, able to get the driver to stop. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's assumed. I was just clarifying. So Tiffany and I are never going to write a book. <laughs> her history books are all on her. Um, due to the severity of her injuries, John and Molly canceled their wedding. I thought Molly canceled it because of the severity of her injuries. Like she had broken ribs and... John and Molly's wedding was canceled. <laughs> She's bitter, y'all. I don't like this. Keep going. Molly was bedridden for six weeks before she could even move about the room without the assistance of a chair or her aunt. Imagine how much that would suck. Yeah. Especially in, like, the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Yup. And then once she was able to move, it was, like, little stuff. Like, she was able to help her, like, with some sewing projects and just, like, little tiny mm-hmm. tasks. Like canning vegetables. Mm-hmm. She quickly began having issues with her muscles, quote, tightening and locking up, making it difficult for her to bend or walk. She would wander around the room when she could and help her aunt with small tasks like canning and sewing, just trying to keep her mind and body as active as possible. Okay, good. I already told them that. But what's next? Her symptoms continue to get worse. One day she awoke and her left arm lay limp at her side. It had gone completely paralyzed, but it only lasted for two weeks (laughs) and she began to regain the use of her arm. Then, on February 3rd, 1866, 
Quote, on the morning of that day, she suddenly shrieked, stood on her toes and spun around like a top. Then she bent forward, clasping her feet in both hands and began rolling about the kitchen floor like a hoop. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's hilarious. You're crying at this poor, popular, pretty girl. <laughs> it must be from when I hit my head on the table before recording. <laughs> question for you before we continue are you going to get into what they what these things could have been yes okay we structure our notes very differently keep going indeed <laughs> i'd like to build suspense <laughs> her absent but wealthy father got word of the strange and untrackable symptoms and began to send physicians to their homes to help her find an answer only the best physicians for my daughter who i haven't wanted anything to do with in a multitude of years cocksucker um not bitter the doctors would diagnose her with multiple things none of which would truly align with her symptoms at the end of the year molly developed another hemorrhage in her right lung the group of doctors that had been working with her came up with a horrific prognosis that molly wouldn't survive the winter On February 3rd, 1866, Molly's lung had gotten so bad that her friends and family were called to say their final goodbyes, as the primary care doctor didn't believe she would make it through the night. When she awoke the next morning, it was believed to be a miracle! Four days later, Molly began having violent spasms that led her to become completely immobile and her Aunt Susan thought she had passed away. When Molly finally awoke, she had no memory of what had happened. With these new symptoms, her doctors were baffled as to what the cause of her illness could be. Even if her doctors were able to come up with the diagnosis, none of the treatments were helping. Molly would continue to slip into trances, and she would wake with no recollection of what had happened. It was only a matter of time before she would slip into another trance. Her Aunt Susan would write in a diary that Molly was unconscious and unable to communicate sometimes for days at a time. While she was in her trances, she was unable to eat or drink anything, and when she was awake, she would refuse to eat or drink anything. Mm-hmm. If the family or doctors tried to force-feed her, she would vomit up pretty much everything they gave her. Her esophagus started to close and harden, leading to her throat eventually becoming paralyzed. Um, some said it was, like, so hard that when you knocked on it, it sounded like you were knocking on wood, like... Yeah. On her throat? Yep knock on my throat i mean it happened that's rude but even days or week without food she never began to show signs of malnourishment joan jacobs brumberg in the uh i don't know if it was a book or a paper but it was titled fasting girls quote in one six-month period her her recorded intake was four teaspoons of milk punch but Two teaspoons of wine, one small banana, and a piece of cracker. Yup. Can you imagine? Six months. Mm-hmm. Which is physically impossible. What is milk punch? And why Why would you give her wine? What? Because wine cures everything. Is milk punch. Milk punch is a milk-based beverage that commonly uses brandy or bourbon as ingredient, although other spirits may be substituted. Sugar and vanilla extracts are added along with a dusting of spice, usually nutmeg, can be served hot or cold. So it's kind of eggnoggy. Yeah. Okay. So eggnog and wine. I mean, And help. a banana and a piece of cracker. The girl's going through something right now. <laughs> Might as well give her something Might to drink. Might as well let her get drunk. Yeah. 
So and if you hadn't eaten in like six months, could you imagine what a little bit of wine and milk punch will do to you? Oh. Milk punch. That just sounds so vile. Okay, well, none for you then. I would probably vomit it up too. No milk punch for you, Glencoco. <laughs> Word spread throughout the medical community about her growing symptoms, her trances that were growing in length, her lack of food and water consumption. On February 17th, she went completely blind. On February 19th, she seemed to be deaf in both ears and not responding to any noise. Her senses did come back temporarily, but she would basically, like her trances, she would go back and forth between mm-hmm. having uh, vision and hearing. Then she lost her sense of smell. Her jaw locked up and she was unable to chew or swallow, which if you had a tree trunk in your throat, mm-hmm. it'd probably be hard to do either of those things yep. anyway. She was living without her senses, the ability to eat, drink, could hardly speak, and failed to keep consciousness. She had been through multiple treatments, including being fed through enemas, which we learned is not a good idea. Um, Oral medications, which again, she would immediately throw up and she would start what they documented as spasming. Um, People that have looked back into this think she might have been having seizures. Epileptic epileptic seizures electroshock therapy being realigned with earth's magnetic fields being placed in steaming hot baths with aromatic alcohols okay that sounds like what i do every night have some milk punch (laughs) and get in a steaming hot bath with aromatic alcohols no wine and a steaming hot bath with some essential oils right they were just ahead of their time do you uh become realigned with earth's magnetic fields uh, I do whatever I do yoga and I put my mat outside and I align my chakras. You do yoga outside? Sometimes. Are you okay? If I'm feeling like frisky. Are you naked? No, Matt won't let me go outside naked. Unfortunate. Something about like neighbors that can see into our backyard. Blah, blah, blah. I know. None of the treatments help and Molly began to find relief in her spasms and trances and it was the only time the doctors would leave her alone. Trances, that's what I was trying to think. <laughs> uh, well, it's not necessarily that they'd leave her alone. It's just she'd be so like out of it or knocked out that she didn't know what they were doing to right. her. It was her reprieve from the world. Yeah, and they wouldn't, because they couldn't communicate with her mm-hmm. to see how she felt or anything like that. That was like the only time that she felt at peace. Yeah, and one thing she had said that um, she feared if she hadn't had those, that she would have died from the treatments they were trying to put her through. Her family and friends thought the doctor's prognosis of not making it through the winter would soon come true and that Molly wouldn't make it but a few days or weeks longer. But Molly persevered and unlocked a hidden skill. (laughs) This is my favorite part. In May of 1866, Molly claimed she had developed a second sight and could contact another plane of existence. So think about it this way. Molly has grown to be very popular. Lots of doctors, lots of just people from around who have heard stories about this woman that doesn't have to eat to survive come by just to see if it's true. And now she's clairvoyant. So these people are going to like come in flocks. How cool is that? Not cool. Like, between a doctor and then everybody else being in my house, get the fuck out and let me spasm in peace. She had no issue with it. We don't know that. Eh, mm. According to her biographer that she worked with, she didn't mind the people coming for the clairvoyance stuff. 
well, no, not for the clairvoyant stuff. But the doctors and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. GTFO, homie. But I also have questions about okay. um, what her and her aunt were really up to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Either way, she liked the attention. Yes. There go my headphones. Bye. Although she had completely lost her physical sight. <laughs> S-I-T-E. <laughs> <laughs> You're so pretty. Thank you. Although she had lost her physical sight at this point, she was able to tell the time and read letters. She could find lost items describing, wait, she could find lost items. She could describe the, quote, dress and doings of friends and relatives miles away. She could predict thunderstorms several hours before they happened. And she could read contents of letters and unopened books merely by running her hands over them. She could also identify people at the door before they ever entered the house. Yeah. Do you talk about um, the doctor who is... Yes. Okay. Soon, Dr. Hammond, Molly's <laughs> number one skeptic, joined in on the guessing game. He published in the New York Sun that he would send Molly a large check. Uh-uh. Even yes. before that. Even before that, he had reached out to her and was like, I don't believe that you aren't eating. I would like to come observe you and make sure, like, if this is the case, like medical breakthrough we've got to figure out what's going on can i please come observe you and her and her aunt turned him down then the clairvoyant stuff happened and he's like bitch, bitch i know you're faking it <laughs> let me do this that you're about to describe this sucks <laughs> so listeners remind us when it comes up on bonus time to like share hints about what we're covering please <laughs> we did medical oddities soon Dr. Hammond, Molly's number one skeptic, as we just learned from Tiffany, who's not supposed to know my topic, but knows my topic because she's like, cunt. <laughs> just kidding. I love you. He published in the New York Sun that he would send Molly a large check, not like a comically large check, but a large sum of money before Tiffany corrects me. Molly could touch the envelope, but she couldn't open it. If she could guess the date, the issuing bank, and the amount of the check, he would donate the funds to a charity of Molly's choice. Sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Molly refused. Shucker. She believed it was him being gross and materialistic. But it's going, it's not like he's like, hey, I'll give you all this money. He's like, hey, we can donate this to a charity, which is a good thing. Gross. We can help people. Materialistic. <laughs> In fact, Molly would never accept paid medium work. She wanted to distance herself from the spiritual work and despised the fact that she was being considered a clairvoyant. Instead, she wanted to be known for her crafting abilities. Girl, same. <laughs> I love crafts. Do you want to be known for them? I mean, Is this it's a craft? Is podcasting a craft? It will be now. Hmm. Well, then same. Actually, please don't let this be my legacy. <laughs> also, you should see the diaper cakes we can make. Right? Oh. They're pretty bomb.com. Even though she had lost her sight and her right arm was completely paralyzed and stuck above her head, she was a great crafter. Mm-hmm. She was a knitter, an embroiderer, and created wax figures. Yes. As her fame grew, people would travel to their home, the home of Molly and her aunt, to offer their well wishes and to possibly see if the rumors were true. And a shop at the gift shop. The family didn't charge anything to meet Molly, <laughs> but they did set up a shop with a large selection of Molly's crafts. 
They were able to keep this going for over a decade. In 1875, 27-year-old Molly went into a month-long trance where muscles relaxed and her senses returned. When she awoke, awoke. Girl, you're killing but it. But when she awoke, did. When she finally woke up, she thought that it was nine years in the past. Mm-hmm. So she went into a trance for a month and woke up and thought that it was 1866. While trying to figure out her gap in her memory, she began displaying symptoms of multiple personalities. Over time, her caregiver was able to distinguish five different personalities in Molly, all with their own voices, memories, and opinion. Her personalities went by the names of Idol, Sunbeam, Ruby, Pearl, and Rosebud. I did not know that. Boom! Chupa me huevos! Also, uh, I believe it's called Disassociative Identity Disorder now. Okay. I didn't give it a title. I thought you did. No. I thought you said she began showing multiple personality disorder. No, I said she began displaying symptoms of multiple personalities. Okay. Well, if anybody wants to know what the previously known multiple personality disorder is called, it's Disassociative Identity Disorder. Over time, Molly began to regain her ability to eat, but she was to remain bedridden due to her muscle atrophy. Throughout her years, she was diagnosed with hysteria, anorexia, epilepsia. <laughs> That's not one. That's not a Mm-mm. disorder. Over the years, she was diagnosed with hysteria, anorexia, epilepsy, disassociative identity. <laughs> Throughout her years, she was diagnosed with hysteria. Pause. Anorexia. Pause. Let's, let's not Epilepsy. laugh about anorexia. Let's start that one over. I'm not laughing about anorexia. I'm laughing about the fact that I've been speaking for 30 plus years and still can't do it. Throughout the years, she was diagnosed with hysteria, anorexia, epilepsy, disassociative identity disorder, and many more. But none of them ever truly explained what could have caused the lifetime of symptoms she suffered from. Boom! So, anorexia nervosa wasn't a thing back then. That is something people have said that her symptoms were. Were. But during her lifetime, she was not diagnosed with that. Also, um, the paralysis and then recovering real quick and being like, I don't know what happened and then going back into it they believe was um, multiple sclerosis. But that wasn't a thing thing until 1868, which was around that time, but wasn't fully understood. Yeah, the Boston Epiphany, which she was known as as well, was happening along that time frame, but did not get that diagnosis. The Boston Epiphany? Yeah, a lot of people refer to her as... uh, not Boston, the Brooklyn Epiphany. I was like, Boston Epiphany? Yeah, you no. know. In Boston, they were like, have you heard about this thing going on in Brooklyn? <laughs> now, the Brooklyn, was it Brooklyn Epiphany? Hold on. Molly Fodger, Brooklyn Enigma. The Brooklyn Enigma. Go. I was like, none of that sounds familiar to me. Are you sure we researched the same person? Brooklyn Enigma and Boston Epiphany, totally the same thing. Okay. I cannot wait to hear if we have any listeners from Brooklyn and Boston that are about to rip you a new one. Look, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. I'm just some podunk girl from Georgia, so forgive me. Georgia. 
On February 3rd, 1916, 67-year-old Molly threw a golden jubilee to celebrate 50 years in bed. Freaking love golden jubilee. A golden jubilee? Jubilee is such a good word. Okay, is that what we're going to have for your 50th birthday? We're going to have that for my birthday every year. We're going to have a 34th jubilee. A 35th jubilee. But isn't the 50th anniversary gold? Mm-hmm. Isn't that why it's the golden jubilee? Yeah. I'm just saying jubilee. I want a jubilee. And we're going to have mint juleps. The more you say jubilee, the less exciting it sounds. It sounds like uh, cheap candy you would buy by the scoop on a corner store at some tourist town. Jujubes! <laughs> Holy crap, we've lost it. Okay, tell us more. <laughs> don't have much and eight days after her golden jujubee molly (laughs) passed away ultimately from a recent battle with heart disease she is buried in the greenwood cemetery in brooklyn not boston Uh brooklyn new york and her tombstone reads quote molly fancher knew the secret of life stay in bed Half a century in her bed, her dauntless spirit, cheerful patience, and unfailing sympathy inspired many with courage to meet life's problems. Forgetful of her own suffering, she carried the burden of host wait burdens of hosts of friends. Through a life of industry, God granted her prayer. Let me lie not that's not it. Let me lie about the quote <laughs> real quick. Let me lie about this quote and lie about crafting more blind. <laughs> Let me not lie with folded hands. Mm. Ha ha ha, man. So we both think that the aunt and Molly were f- fudging it. I don't think it was completely fudged, but I definitely think it was exacerbated do you think she ever ate yeah but they talked about how she didn't eat for like 16 years yeah but they weren't always there valid okay that's fine all right so you want to know about some more of the fasting girls i do okay so i don't have a lot um because anytime you look up the victorian fasting girls it's like molly Molly the boston what did you call her? Epiphany. Epiphany. Sometimes known as the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Enigma. Enigma. Potato, <laughs> potato. So there are a couple girls that they talk about. See, I had all of it up and now. Mm-hmm. I can tell you all the things that you said incorrectly, but when it's my turn to talk, I don't even know what notes are. First of all, you can F right off. I'm not happy. FYI, if <laughs> we covered the same topic. I can understand that. Um, Where the but hell? also it worked out a little well, I guess. Cause, yeah, because like, you, you forgot a lot of shit and blah, I was able blah, to blah, bring it up. Blah. One of the, there are like four of them. The next most common known, commonly known, that's the word, is Sarah Jacob. Sarah Jacob was a Welsh child who was known as one of the fainting girls. Fasting girls. The fasting girls. Why do I keep saying fainting? Even when I was doing my research. Probably because they passed out a lot because they quote unquote never ate. True. So around the age of 10, she was said to have gone without food for long periods of uh, for long periods of time, but without any effects to her health. That was one thing about Molly. Like she was said to not eat for 16 years, but she was still like she looked 
as healthy as she could at that age. Like she right. did, she wasn't malnutrition malnourished looking. Malnutritionized. Uh huh. But for Sarah Jacobs, her parents were telling people like, "Look, she doesn't eat." So they came by to visit. Ashley's taking off her bra. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have visitors over, and they're like, "You know, she hasn't eaten for many months." It was said that she said went, she was ten. Mm-hmm. She probably just didn't like what you were trying to feed her, and she snuck to the cupboard after you went to bed. She was like, "It was a mouse." It was said that she went for a total of 113 weeks without eating. Weeks? Weeks. That's over two years. Yeah, it is. Hell no. Mm-hmm. Well, people heard about this and they... <laughs> Ashley's choking herself trying to get her bra off. I did it. Jesus Christ. The Georgia Enigma, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, so word spread about the Welsh fasting girl. And the news got a hold of it. And finally, doctors and nurses were like, this <gasps> the isn't... The Welsh wonder. Ooh. Much like the Boston Epiphany. <laughs> doctors and nurses were like, this is not real. So eventually, a team of four nurses were sent to the house to observe her. And they were like, she's going to eat or drink. Like, you've got to keep an eye on her. They were also told... Do not, under any circumstances, give her food or drink unless she asks for it. Rude. This is a 12-year-old girl yeah. at this time. They began their observation on December 9th, 19, or I'm sorry, 1869. And just over a week later, the girl died. <gasps> they killed her. Well, the girl died because she wouldn't ask for food and the nurses wouldn't give it to her. Yeah, so she so ended they up killed her. starving to death. During um the I believe it's this one during her opto- the autopsy they found like her toes were kind of jacked up because there was um they would put these like heated water bottles at the bottom of the bed to keep the bed warm warm and they s- believed that she was trying to use her feet to open or get the bottle up to her and open it up to drink oh. so nobody would know yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. In July of 1870, Sarah's parents were brought to trial and accused of manslaughter. What? Mm-hmm. They pleaded not guilty, were but were convicted and received prison sentences for... But the nurses are the ones that wouldn't feed her. Well, I mean, this was all under the supervision of her parents. Like, her parents were telling everybody, like, she doesn't eat or drink. So, like, the fact that they didn't make their child eat or force yeah but they said she's not eating or drinking and they called in medical professionals no, the medical professionals heard about it because they were telling the story oh, to everybody okay and they were like we're calling your bluff and they're like come on don't eat or drink anything i would not have been able to do it i would have been like girl you need this yeah so there's also i apologize in advance i am going to mispronounce this oh no i'm not <laughs> Hi, my name is Tiffany. We're doing great, folks. Oh, God. Okay. We did not record a thing before this about how I'm going through a mental breakdown, right? No. Good. Okay. It's deleted, so I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> In 1918, Teresa Newman was about 20 years old when she fell in shock after taking a nasty tumble off a stool while Wait, trying to- what did you think you were going to mispronounce? Her name? Yeah. Okay. It's the T-H... New No, it's... Man. Teresa always gets me because I'm like, Therese. Theresa. Therese Newman. Uh, she was helping to put out a fire at her uncle's farm, and she took a tumble off of a stool 
had a spinal injury and yeah off a stool yeah because like you fall the stool falls and then you land on it but that's i stand on stools yeah careful bitch you're clumsy (laughs) no and i like to eat so there were a whole bunch of things that went wrong with her, including paralysis, gastric problems, and even blindness. So by 1926, a blood-colored serum oozed from her eyes, and she began suffering stigmata during Lent. Now, stigmata is where the uh, tissue around the eyes turns like a blood color. Ew. And it, um, there's lots in Christian beliefs, I believe. It's like what happened when Jesus was on the cross, like all the blood. Yeah, it's very symbolic in Christian religion. And it was during Lent. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Jeez, Jesus. In 1927, she believed she had been visited by St. Teresa of Lisieux. This is where I was mispronouncing L I S I E U X. Lisieux. Who told her that food and water were no longer necessary, just Holy Communion. And this is why I'm not religious. Just this? Don't take away my food or make me cry blood. Just so you know, uh, mental floss covered her, and this is where I'm getting 90% of her stuff. She was observed day and night for two weeks, and doctors and nurses measured the amounts of mouthwash she was using so they could make sure she hadn't swallowed swallowed any of it when she spit it back out. Because they wanted to confirm like she was only eating Holy Communion. I didn't realize mouthwash was so big in the 20s. Well, I mean, they wanted to make sure, like, if you say you're only eating Holy Communion, we want to make sure that's what's happening to make sure. Don't worry about brushing your teeth, girl. Jesus has got you. (laughs) (laughs) So at the end of the two weeks, the medical team was like, look, she never even attempted to eat food. Just so like, but communion is like the wafers and the wine. Wine. Mm-hmm. I mean, carbs and wine. <laughs> but it's it's not like sitting down with a potato and a bottle of wine. It's Damn. like, oh god, that sounds doesn't good. it? It's like a loaded the little... baked potato and a bottle of rosé. Oh. oh, next oh. week, next week for <laughs> recording. Yes, that's veget- big. big- <laughs> that's what. Yes, Ashley, that can be vegan, depending on what I load the potato with, and I have vegan wines right behind you. <laughs> Is that what you were going for? Vegemiga? I really worry myself when I short circuit sometimes. <laughs> A robot overlord, you're like, shut up. Initially, she began to lose weight because she's not eating anything. Right. Except for the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. Gross. <laughs> By the end of the observation, she had gained five or six pounds, which I'm about to say something that's going to make me sound real stupid and it's probably wrong. So I'm going to keep it. uh, Fuck it. Um, Don't you. (laughs) Sorry. Sometimes I think my thoughts out loud. Can't that be explained? Like whenever you start to lose weight and your body like starts eating off of itself, like you can put on a little bit initially. Um, Well, usually that's like water weight. Yeah. And if she's not taking in any water. That would be strange. I mean, I guess it could be holding on to the fluid from the wine or from the communion. Because usually what you run into is like once you start to lose weight, your body kind of goes into like protection mode and it'll start like holding on to water and nutrients because it's like, ha, you're giving me a lot less than what I'm used to. So mm-hmm. are we good? And then you'll kind of start to drop again. But if she's not eating or drinking anything, I don't know what her body would be holding on to. Oh. 
Well, that was us, two non-doctors, telling you about weight loss. (laughs) (laughs) And I am not the person to go to for that topic. The staff that monitored her, the attending physician, testified under oath that, quote, not a morsel of nourishment, save for one consecrated host daily, had passed her lips. Consecrated host. Yeah, Jesus, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she apparently, now remember, this is 1927. Apparently, she followed this diet until her death in 1962. Only living off the blood and body of Jesus. Yes. Hmm. I know. I'm skeptical on that one, too, which that one could actually probably be a deeper dive sometime. Yeah. Because there are quite a few saints that have been said to do this like it's not like super prominent but prominent in uh christian Christian. based Mm -hmm. huh i mean i guess it makes just as much sense as molly fancher does yeah i guess bite of a banana and lots of alcohol Mm -hmm. oh and a cracker i think she had a cracker yeah she had the cracker the milk punch the wine and the banana. I don't know what's worse, living off the body of Christ or milk punch. I don't know you which like one. You like eggnog, though. Not particularly. You don't? Mm-mm. Why did I think you did? Because I'm a terrible best friend? Probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then there's also Josephine Marie Bettard. I love the name Josephine. It is a pretty name. Little Josie. I like Josephine and Jacqueline. At 19, she claimed she had gone months without eating. And this was um, kind of at the height of what was going on with Molly. Oh. Mm-hmm. The pretty popular girl. Mm-hmm. So she had two different museums in Boston. That's where Boston came from. I knew I had talked about Boston at some point. From it is. Boston. So we had the Boston. Brooklyn. Enigma. And the Boston Epiphany. She's the Boston Epiphany. Is she actually the Boston Epiphany? Or no, they don't okay? call her that. But <laughs> So she had two different museums in Boston that wanted to put her on display so people could observe her not put eating. Put her on display? Mm-hmm. I am not. I mean, I am an art piece, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was like, hey, look, this girl doesn't eat. What are you supposed to do? Just sit there and watch her? Yeah. Not eat? Yeah. So this is like opposite anti-mukbang? What's mukbang? You don't know what a mukbang is? No, but I'm intrigued. It's videos of people either just eating a ton of food or like just hanging out, chit-chatting and eating. (gasps) I hate the sound of people eating. But they're not like... (laughs) But it's just like hanging out with a friend, just like going to town and eating. Some of them are very ASMR-y and uh, like over-dramatized. But. Okay, well, I'm not into mukbanging as much as I thought I would be by the name. In 1889, however, a local physician said that they found a bitten donut in her pocket. And the same physician claimed that she left a platter with, quote, three pieces of fried potato, end quote, on it in her presence and then left the room. When she returned, one piece was missing. Well, um, yeah. You put fried potatoes in front of me. I'm going to eat them. So it was a mouse. Josephine Bettard was quickly debunked as a Victorian fasting girl. She was a Brooklyn epiphany liar. A Brooklyn epiphany because they were like epiphany. 
people can't go without food. You're lying. How do you feel about epiphany for a name? <laughs> Honestly, when people say epiphany, I think they're saying Tiffany. Tiffany so. Actually. Uh-huh. So yeah. uh, people are like, well, actually. I was like, I did what now? <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> now that you mentioned, I think I did do that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Not going to fix it, though, because I'm busy. Peace. Bye. So those are your Victorian fasting girls. Ta-da. Mm-hmm. We um, fucked that one up. Yeah, we did. But uh, as far as Molly Fancher goes, they believe, uh, most people believe that she was exhibiting signs of anorexia nervosa. They just didn't understand it at the time. And that would explain a lot of the like fainting mm-hmm. and um, headaches and dizziness. So, Yeah. All of that. Like, I can't, I can't imagine. Like, I get hungry just on like a normal scale mm-hmm. and my body is like, Bah, freak out mode yeah like right now i am so full from dinner but the fact that we're talking about food i'm like i can probably I can make a little room snack. yeah yeah like i was uh helping hagrid work on one of his cars this weekend and i was trying to line up a bolt for him and my hand was like <laughs> and he's like you need to go eat i was like yeah yeah, yeah i probably do uh-huh. hold that thought <laughs> be right back so i could not imagine nope but people go through that a lot and it is tough and very misunderstood, and I think a lot of people shy away from talking about it because it's right. not Taboo. something they want to discuss. Yeah. But. And it is totally valid, and I know that there are a multitude of people that do suffer from it, mm-hmm. but these are, it's very interesting that they would try and profit from yeah. it or, like, um, gain celebrity from it. Yeah, like, way. I don't believe you went 16 years without eating a single thing. No. So... But yeah, but there were also a lot of other things with Molly, like um, mental health wasn't really considered. The only person who even came close to considering mental health was the person who prescribed or who said she was suffering from hysteria. Right. It's like, oh, it's psychological. Well, and even now, and again, I'm not an expert and I don't know a lot about it because I'm just now starting to look into it. But with DID, mm-hmm. a lot of times people believe that that can stem from trauma and mental health. Mm-hmm. issues so like you look at everything that she was diagnosed with mm-hmm. a lot of that can be true and i mean hell look at her life like mm-hmm. it makes sense and you've got um the multiple sclerosis epilepsy like there's a lot that was going on there um one podcast i listened to medical mysteries it's a fascinating podcast medical mysteries yes um but they did a really good coverage of this and They were talking about how some cases, not always, but in this era, women had no say over their life. It was you grow up, you marry this person, you have babies, and you're a housewife. Right. And some people to escape that life would come up with with illnesses because it was easier to cancel this, cancel the marriage because of an illness than saying... I don't want this life. Or you just get married, you kill them, you collect the insurance, then like, oh, well, it was me, I'm a poor widow, I can't fathom being married again. So anyway, on that's, that note, <laughs> that's our episode. Sorry we covered the same thing, Ash. No, you're not. You liked it. I loved being like, well, actually. Well, actually, I just had an epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, friends. Everyone has something that they find odd sometimes at the same time as your co-host. 
Want to tell you about it? We'll tell you about it. Yeah. Together, apparently. <laughs> if you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you please. Can... <laughs> so this doesn't happen again. You can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found at theladiesofstrange.com. Or you can email them to us at theladiesofstrange at gmail.com. Or if you're feeling frisky and want to pop on our Discord, we have a topic suggestion page. And yeah. it it's very useful. And our Discord is very, very fun. Yeah. There are people there that we really love and appreciate. And yeah. yeah. They act like they like us. It's pretty cool. Dude, join the group. Join it. Come we'll join t- the cult. We'll tell you uh, how much we love you. and Pretty frequently. Yeah. So anyway, wow. What are we doing? Keep Keep it strange, strange, lovelies. Lovelies. Fuck, I'm off tonight. Goodbye.